Hey everyone, welcome to the Classic Gaming Podcast. I'm Robert Ring, your host. That was Alone in the Chaos with our intro music. Today's date is December 3rd, 2014, and I'm with my amazing co-hosts, Blake Corey. Hi there. And Jay Totoro. Howdy, howdy. I was expecting Blake to do his little voice animation thing. <laughs> the animation? Speaking you of... Mean, or... <laughs> <laughs> you mean this right here? There it is. There you go. Uh, speaking of expecting people to do things, I was listening to the last episode that we recorded, and Jay, by the end of the episode, you were saying got him at least got five him. times every 30 seconds. I can <laughs> step it up. Do I need to push it up to four minutes? Or no, you're... More or less? less yeah, or five less? times every four minutes is much more doable. Wow. That'd be impressive. But it's all right. We, we don't... Should I get a couple out right now and just start the trend, or... We're not judging you. We're just saying, calm down a little bit. I don't know if we can. Okay, that's I don't fine. think that's a thing. You don't have to. You can okay. keep Just be myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, we actually have a really awesome episode this time, for once. Uh, <laughs> that's new. <laughs> Wait, I'm fine. God, it took us like a year. It took us a year, but we finally did it. We had an awesome episode. Thanks to Ron Gilbert and Gary Winnick, who we have an Ooh. interview with coming up. Uh, I was able to interview them. If you listened to the last episode, you know that they're working on a Kickstarter called uh, the. Th- uh, I'm sorry, it's a game called Thimbleweed Park, and uh, Ron and Gary are uh, longtime point-and-click adventure game designers. They worked for LucasArts back in the heyday of that genre. They worked on uh, Ma- Maniac Mansion, uh, the Monkey Island games, and uh, several uh, several others. Uh, the Indiana Jones one of the one of the Indiana Jones ones. If I'm not, if unless I'm getting my uh, my facts mixed up, but anyway, they worked on a lot of those games back in the day, and they have this new game that's kind of a uh, it, they're they're making a new classic point and click adventure game. Uh, you'll hear about you'll hear more about that in the interview coming up in a few minutes. First, let's uh let's get the uh let's get the chit chatter out of the way. You guys doing? You guys having an awesome an awesome week? Yeah, it's Christmas season. Did y'all have a good Thanksgiving? Oh my God, do I eat so much food? I had an okay Thanksgiving. What? It was, it was right. major awkward. Oh, yeah? Like, I just didn't feel like being around family right then. I don't know. I, I, with all the other stuff I've been going through, I just felt like chilling out by myself in my room. The oh, food yeah. was killer, like always, though. <laughs> I mean, the food was great, but you the family part, I was it. like, Ugh. Yeah. That happens sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, I just installed the Yosemite update on my MacBook, and I'm pretty sure it's bricked right now. Nice. Oh, very nice. It says back and continue, and there's little arrows that I can click on, but it's just a blank screen, and none of the arrows do anything. Oh, no, that's the Mac OS. Oh, that's it? Yeah, that's how it works. (laughs) Okay. It's it's Uh, working as intended. Any awesome things happened in the past few days? Jay, you've been playing... Well, we'll get to that in in the end. Ooh. Ooh. We gotta talk about this one real quick. Okay. 20th anniversary of the PlayStation 1. There is you it go. really? Ew. Now, let's, yeah. let's, let's jump into yeah. news. That, that could be our news, because there's nothing else. Wow, is that 94? It was 90. Is that, am I doing math? Your mom was 94. Wait, wait, was it really? That's what I saw the, uh, people, a bunch of people talking about it, yeah. That, that, I've seen plenty of it, too. It's the 20th anniversary of the PlayStation. Wow, that it. I feel old as shit now. That does feel like it, I felt like yeah. it's more like ninety six ish. Yeah, I'm thinking. Well, I'm thinking actually. Long, I'm thinking like fifteen years, not twenty. I was Damn. thinking like ninety seven or something. Well, it, it, I mean, it's it's this is the twentieth anniversary. 
That's crazy. Yeah, here. I've, like, they've got it on the official PlayStation blog. Yeah. I, I Hopefully they didn't fuck up the fun. date. <laughs> 20 years is a long time. In they saw somebody else post, and they were like, we got to get this up on the blog. <laughs> How did we go, miss go, go, this? Go. Well, we got to verify like it first. No, we don't. Trolling. Just go. <laughs> like, people that troll with the uh, Back to the Future stuff. Like, oh, it's yeah. 2012. This is when we're supposed to have hoverboards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got them again. It's like completely Three years in a row now. Yeah, Wikipedia says the brand was first introduced on December 3rd, 1994 in, in Japan. <clears throat> oh, maybe. When so did maybe it was, in uh. That might make a little more sense. What's the, was, yeah, if there's a little bit of differential. It was, it sounds like it was the same. Okay, maybe not. Maybe I'm just retarded with time. That would be fine too. There's that. <clears throat> That's a possibility. Anyway, uh, Blake, what, what, any, you want to, Kind of I should have played a PlayStation game for 20 year anniversary. Damn. Yeah, yeah, me too. Have you guys, Blake, have you seen the uh, the the 20th anniversary PS4 they've got? Oh yeah, the one that looks like a PlayStation. Yeah, well, it's it's like the it's PlayStation. It's got like a it's got like a color scheme of the original PlayStation. It color looks scheme. like a PS4. Okay, all right, because I all I saw was the picture of it on Reddit. I know, I know Reddit, and all it's like it's like. Oh, here's this PS4. It looks like a PlayStation 1. See? And I was like, how the hell do you turn that PS4 so that it looks like the PS1? <laughs> no, it looks exa- – it's a PS4. It's got the same exact design of a PS4. Yeah. But it's got – it's gray, and it's uh, – and, the, like, the controller's gray. Basically, it's gray. It's, like, light gray. Like, it's the same color as the PS4. The color scheme is the same. It actually looks really awesome. looks pretty good, I guess. I think it looks killer. Especially the – the contr- like I don't know I thought like the controller looked awesome and the machine looked awesome the, the colors on the buttons like look really nice I feel like with the gray as opposed to the the really dark almost blackish but uh it looks pretty sweet I actually kind of halfway considered getting one but then I was like wait no I don't really want a PS4 <laughs> wow also it's going for 499 euros that's like 650 dollars that's really really close actually I looked it up on Google it says that's 615 dollars so work for a European company got them damn there's number one we can keep a tally <laughs> oh can we do that that'd be hilarious yeah, we can do it um, we need like a little already sound, this. we need a little sound effect thing that goes a like Bing! every time <laughs> that's awesome and uh, yeah. I think that's really all the news. What, what's your uh, favorite PlayStation memory? I was just going to say that. Holy shit. Let's <laughs> talk about our favorite PlayStation memories. Blake, you can go It first. was literally day one of getting my PlayStation. Because day one for me was uh, was Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, it's true. That game really, like, after playing the other Final Fantasy. Putting Final Fantasy VII into the system and booting it up, that was oh, yeah. one of the biggest moments of my childhood. At that time, like, that system just wrecked everything. Like, it was just, I, I don't know, like, you know, like, all, like regular Nintendo, Sega Genesis stuff, I could play for, like, countless hours, no big deal. PlayStation, I could play until I'm ready to go to sleep and then wake up and do the same thing the next day. Like, that was the first system for me where I just, like, went crazy. Um, I got mine on Christmas. And I believe I got, I think my first games that I had were, like, uh, really, honestly, the only one I remember that was definitely... Like, a game that I got when I got the PlayStation was Twisted Metal. Ooh, Twisted Metal. I think Crash Bandicoot was one of them. I don't Twisted think I got Metal. that one. I, I'm sure there was a Madden game that I got with it, and probably, like, uh... Yeah, some kind of sports game, usually. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, maybe, like, a Need for Speed game, something like that. Twisted Metal, man. That was a fun game. That game was so hard. I was it? I don't really remember being... I don't remember its difficulty. I just... 
Obviously, it was an awesome Frustrating. Game. There's one, the monster truck was OP, and then everybody else was kind of like, eh, okay. Monster truck's literally, his ultimate was literally just run somebody over. Everybody else had to, like, skill <laughs> shots and shit. Oh, yeah, like, that's what it was. Like, he had a big boost, right? And he could just yeah. smash into you. Yep, he just smashed into you and roll over you, and he took, like, he took, like, 10% damage or something, and you took 100% of the damage or something. Yeah, uh, do y'all remember the, the fucking enormous cases for the CDs? Oh, yeah. That was funny. Those are pretty awesome. I liked when you used to get them at Walmart, and they'd come in those big-ass plastic things, and the case was, like, this big. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, Security future. Case, and then it's got a huge case around that huge case. God, those and games things. were, like, games were expensive at that time, which was, like, they were, like, $30. Like, Final Fantasy VII, I'm guessing, was, like, probably 20 or $30. That was, Wait, uh, they were, no, 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 they were $50. Were they really? I'm, You're telling me games oh, haven't yeah. gone up that much in price? Really? No, if anything, the prices used to be a lot more erratic. Like, you'd have $20 games, and you'd have $80 games. And uh, I remember Final Fantasy VII being either 50 or 60 I don't remember there being $80. I don't. I thought everything... There were some. Like, across the board, just about. That's crazy. I don't remember that. I just remember them being... Well, I guess it just feels like they've gotten more expensive, but they really haven't. Maybe it's because I have a job and I actually have to pay for them now. I mean, a lot of AAA games now are 60 bucks. But that's kind of like I feel like that's, I mean, yeah, that's the standard. Now. It's been, yeah, it's like, it's it's probably about the equivalent, or maybe even less. I'll pay sixty dollars for most games today. So I mean, worth it. But like nowadays, <laughs> yeah. But like I mean, I feel like the prices are more erratic now, where you have like, you know, of course you have indie games that are like anywhere from five to twenty bucks. But then even you have kind of like the in between indie and AAA that are like, uh, thirty to forty. And then, like, all the AAAs are just straight up 60. That's funny. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know what you're saying, dog. But, yeah. So, happy birthday, PlayStation. Did you guys buy it a cake? I, I did, know. and then I ate it. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Good. That was, was good. good. No, a cake. A little uh, double chocolate fudge cake. There you go. That was good. That was really sweet of you. Yeah. I see what you did there, sweet. Cake was a pun. Sweet too. I see what you did there. There's some <laughs> definite pun. Uh, so, okay. I guess that's all the news we got. Anything else you want to talk about before we uh, jump into the our interview? I don't think so. I'm trying to think if there's anything else going on. Blake, is there any update on that Final Fantasy Tactics type game that was coming out? Uh, not that I've heard. Okay, I haven't heard anything either. I just wondered, like, is it still gone? Did they just take our money and run? Like, <laughs> All right, well, without further ado... I'm going to cut away to uh, the interview. I was the, uh, unfortunately, Jay and Blake were so. unable to join me for the interview. But that's all right, because I had an awesome interview with Ron and Gary. And uh, let's go ahead and go into that right now. All right, well, I'm here with two of the men responsible for several of my favorite games of all time, Ron Gilbert and Gary Winnick. Ron and Gary, how are you guys doing? Good. Yep, doing good, Robert. How are you? I'm doing awesome. So, if you don't know, for our listeners, if you don't know who Ron and Gary are, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, they are uh, game designers behind some of the most famous point-and-click adventure games of all time, like Maniac Mansion, uh, the first two Monkey Island games, Day of the Tentacle, and plenty of others. Uh, and, of course, the reason we have you guys on today is because you've recently started a Kickstarter for what you're calling a new classic point-and-click adventure called Thimbleweed Park. 
Um, I, I guess I'll hand this over to you guys for a second. Uh, Ron and Gary, do you want to give us the rundown on what Thimbleweed Park is? Uh, sure. I mean, th- like you said, Thimbleweed Park is kind of a new classic point-and-click adventure game. And, it, you know, the genesis is, you know, Gary and I have always talked about, you know, how much fun making things like Maniac Mansion was and and how, how you know, we, we really wondered whether people would enjoy an actual game like that, not, you know, not just a new point and click adventure game, but a classic point and click adventure game mm-hmm. where, you know, we kind of go back to the, you know, the really cool verb interface and we go back to a lot of the kind of storytelling and the character switching and all that stuff that we put into Maniac Mansion. And, and that was really the genesis of, of the project is let's, let's make another one of those. And, and, and I will say that 25 years later, it's been a little bit over 25 years, mm-hmm. we, we've learned a lot in that time. And so I think we can make another one of these things which very much evokes that same feel. But we've learned from history, and I don't think we're doomed to repeat a lot of the mistakes we made previously because we did make a lot of mistakes with Maniac Mansion. Well, so what kind of mistakes are do you, do you feel like you made in Maniac Mansion that, that you're trying to avoid now? Well, there are, there are a lot of dead ends in, in Maniac Mansion, places where, you know, if you don't do something uh, that you need to do, the game can get into this unwinnable state. Mm, okay. And, you know, part of that was that was just par for the course back then. You know, it's like adventure games did that, and you kind of expected people to have a bunch of save games that they could go back to. Sure. And the other part of that was, you know, there was the first adventure game that, Gary and I had ever made and there there was a lot of just being naive that was going along with that and you know after um you know after Maniac Mansion uh, you know I think we kind of learned a lot of lessons about that and you know especially with you know like the Indiana Jones adventure game and you know obviously Monkey Island mm-hmm. there was just a lot of a, let's get rid of those dead ends let's let's get rid of those those places where players can can screw themselves over and just kind of make it flow a lot better. And that was, that was really that evolution of adventure game design. And, and we're bringing all of that, you know, to Thimbleweed Park. I think that makes a lot of sense because, uh, you know, when I was younger and playing, uh, specifically Monkey Island, those, those, the Monkey Island series was my favorite, but I played pretty much all of those, uh, point and clicks. Uh, that for me, that was kind of the difference between most LucasArts games and the Sierra games where Sierra on, on what, those games I enjoyed, but they were really intimidating to me, especially when I was younger, because they would have a lot of death states as well as situations where you could not advance in the game. And uh, even playing some of those recently, I went back and played King's Quest V a few months ago, and uh, I got stuck in so many... Like, that game made me rage pretty hard because of so, some of the situations I got in. Whereas, on the other hand, there are these, like, uh, you know... Mo- I, like I said, most of the LucasArts games, and of course Thimbleweed Park, where... You kind of make it a little bit not I, I feel like you're not making it easier for the player as as much as you're making it more friendly for the player. Would that would that be an accurate way of putting it, you think? Yeah, I, th- I think I think that is that is very accurate. You know, there are a lot of places in Monkey Island where where you can get stuck, you know, where you will yeah. you know pull your hair out because you can't find the puzzle. But but it never punishes you in the sense that you have to start the game over. Sure. Or or worse, you know, where, you know, you play for hours and realize that you'd actually screwed yourself over four hours ago. Yep. And, and you don't even know it. Right. I mean, that's worst. kind of the worst, worst situation to be in. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you're absolutely right in that characterization. I mean, um, games, at least the things that we've wanted to do, is that there needs to be sort of an internal logic, and you know, it needs to make sense unto itself. So even though you're in sort of a weird, you know, I say not real situation. It still has its own internal logic. If you pick up a piece of glass off of the ground, you don't bleed to death because you picked up a piece of glass. <laughs> right, right. You know I mean? Hey, speak for yourself. Oh, okay. Well, Ron's got that, you know, thin skin <laughs> disease or something like that. You know? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that that you know, I I had written this article after I made a Maniac Mansion called "Why Adventure Games Suck." And it, it was this list of these kind of 15 rules that I had for, that I kind of come up with, um, for adventure game design. And some of that was, was predicated, um, by playing the Sierra game Police Quest. Oh, sure. Because in Police Quest, you know, you, you, you get done doing your, you know, your police patrol and you come back into the station and, you know, you, you don't put your gun in the right place or you don't, you know, fill out this one form and you get fired and you lose the game. Uh huh. And that, that kind of, it, it kind of bugged me because, you know, I thought, okay, if I'm a police officer and I've gone through all this training, I should know these things. Right. Right. I mean, there there are legitimate reasons to get fired, but these little kind of minutia details are not the reason because I should I should understand this stuff. And so that's kind of like it's it's putting the player at this at the same parody as the character in the game, which was was the reason. I mean, it is the number one reason why at the beginning of Mikey Island, Guybrush shows up and says, my name is Guybrush Sweepwood and I want to be a pirate. Mm-hmm. Because what that did was that immediately put the player at the same level as Guybrush. Neither of them knew how to be a pirate. Neither of them knew what to do. And so as Guybrush was fumbling his way through it, you know, the player would be, you know, fumbling along with him. And it just, it, it kind of lined up well. And that, and that, I think that's kind of one of those those lessons that we've learned from adventure game design is, is to put the player and the character at that same level of understanding. I, I, a long time ago on an island far, far away. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, so I was going to ask um, whether the whether you had any sort of trepidation going for the classic, classic point-and-click style for this game whether or whether you threw out any other ideas, but it seems like from what you said, it kind of was developed in the opposite direction where you said, we want to make a game like this. Let's, let's do that. Is that kind of, that, that's sort of how you came up with it. You, you came up with the concept of, we want a game that plays this way before you decided what game you wanted to make. I think that that's fairly true in that we, you know, once again, we've been talking about this for years, so it wasn't something that just was like a light switch, you know, flipping, if you know what sure. I'm saying. Right. So we, we had sort of a, we, so we already had kind of a general idea of what we wanted to do. We talked about it over the, over a number of years. So it wasn't like that was some sort of immaculate, you know, conception kind of thing. We said it was unusual for both me and Ron to kind of be available at the same time. We said, oh, you know, we can do this now. Is this something we want to do? And if so, what would it be like? Sure. Yeah, the, I mean the genesis was that that classic adventure game with you know real kind of old school retro maniac mansion style art. I mean that that was kind of that that nugget of of creation, you know. Mm-hmm. And then then we kind of 
figured out, well, what story do we want? What characters do we want? And that, I mean, that's really where the setting, you know, of Thimbleweed Park came from kind of after that, that Genesis. And I mean, we did debate a lot when we were getting like a Kickstarter going, you know, about, about the art style, not so much the details of it, but just debating about, you know, is this, is this really something people want? Do, do people really want to play a game that, kind of looks like those old classic adventures and plays like those old classic adventures. That was a huge point of debate between us. Yeah. I mean, one of the things about the look of that, at least for me, having done all the art for the original, well, in fact, having been at Lucasfilm for nearly 10 years and watching that evolve. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that really uh, intrigued me about the, doing the original art is that was kind of like playing a game with sort of animated icons where you could really, you know, understand, you know, that this flat 2D cutout thing was, you know, a car or a gun or something <laughs> like that. It was, yeah. you know, very iconic in nature. And then the other thing is players, uh, you know, after talking to players for, you know, for, you know, a while after Maniac came out, is that their imaginations filled in the rest of the world. So they had this whole really detailed idea of what the world looked like and was like. They filled all that in in their imaginations, and I was really sort of found that compelling. Sure. Uh, so you spoke about things that you try to avoid uh, from from very, very classic, from, you know, kind of the very beginning of some of the things from Maniac Mansion. Uh, in in Thimbleweed Park, is there anything that you're taking uh, any fr from newer games, any ideas, any kind of, like, modern tropes of video games that you're infusing that the, that the classics did not have? Uh, I think I think that the, the stuff that we're kind of looking at is, is there's a little bit of... Um, I'm trying to think of the right words for it. It's like there's kind of a certain there's a certain pace to more modern adventure games that that I think we're definitely going to leverage on, and I, I think that's just kind of a pace of movement and um, you know how you keep players engaged. You know, back doing Maniac Mansion or Monkey Island, it w it was almost okay to to have people sit for days not trying to figure because they couldn't figure out a puzzle. That was, that was kind of almost a good thing back then. Right. And right. I, I don't know that you could totally get away with that today. And it's, it's not that we're going to make the game easier, but I think there is just a pacing that we'll probably have to pick up a little bit, uh, you know, in terms of maybe how we explain things to people, you know, from a story standpoint and, you know, how we, we go about, um, um, you know, kind of revealing things in the world that that kind of keeps a flow going to the game a little bit more. I mean, those are the kind of things that 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 we're looking at from from that standpoint. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely you know a lot of stuff relative to pacing that we're going to be looking at. Sure. So so kind of trying to figure out ways to keep things moving along in some way, even though you might be stuck on a puzzle. So you're not just stuck with nothing happening in the game whatsoever. Is that sort of what you're trying to tow yeah, around? Yeah, and and helping you know helping people along a little bit, and and not you know not from like a, a hint system standpoint, you know, because I, I I really don't like hint systems, but but just in terms of the player, if the player is within the context of the game, digging for information to help them out the game should supply that information. And there was a little bit of that in, in games like Monkey Island where, you know, you could go back to people and talk to them a second time, 
you know, and maybe a third time and they might tell you a little bit more, but I don't, I don't know that we went, we went deep enough with that. And so it's that kind of stuff. It's like if the player, if the player's scratching out information, the game should give that to them in some way. And I think that's the kind of stuff that can keep the pace moving a little bit better than the old classic games did. That kind of reminds me of the uh, the conversation with Stan when you're uh, trying to negotiate with him, and eventually you point around in the dialogue tree and you click on things enough times, you and you get his feedback and you start to realize, oh, okay, this is what I have to tell him that everything he's trying to sell me is a piece of crap, and then maybe I can buy it for 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 what I can afford. Is it sort of along those lines? Yeah, it's it's rewarding a player's exploration of the story. Gotcha. And. You know, I mean, there were some places because I just replayed Monkey Island 2 recently, like mm-hmm. when the, within the last month. And I mean, there were some places in that game where you wouldn't really understand what you were supposed to do next. And you would go around and you would talk to people and they wouldn't give you any more information, you sure. know. And, and and that's the kind of thing I'd kind of like to avoid, that if a player is stuck and they go around and they start talking to people – the game should kind of realize that the player's stuck and then, and then people should just start volunteering just little snippets of more information. It's a little bit like a hint system, but it's built into the context of the game and the story and the characters as opposed to just being a UI thing that comes up. Uh, so you, you said you don't like the, the hint system. I don't, I didn't, I don't ever really care for that either, but you know, you could do a hint hotline. Yeah, I mean, if we charge like fifty cents a minute well, for it, I think yeah, that's that's yeah. a, a big revenue source. Yeah, I mean, there you go. That would just be a retro, um, you know, thing to mess with people <laughs> because you got the internet, right? So anybody who can't, you know, as soon as it hits the internet, it hits the internet, it's going to be all over the place in two days. Sure. You know what I mean? So right. if you want to know how to like put the um, pineapple in the, um, you know, oven. Spoilers! Spoilers! You're, yeah, you're going to be able to figure that out right away if you don't want to figure it out on your own. So we don't have to call the Hint Hotline is what you're saying. Well, I'm, I can't say there won't be a Hint Hotline, <laughs> but if there is, it'll be funny enough that you'll want to call it. That would be pretty awesome if there was a Hint Hotline. <laughs> my, my only experience with the, hit, with the Hint Hotline when I was younger was uh, being at a friend's house and pestering the guy on the other end of the phone so much to where he just finally gave in and told us what to do. <laughs> <laughs> um so well, okay. So so your Kickstarter. So the, so this game, I don't I don't think we've mentioned it actually is is being kickstarted. Yeah. Um. So first of all, congratulations on a very successful Kickstarter. It's not even over yet, but uh, your goal was three hundred seventy five thousand dollars. I'm looking at the total right now, and looks like you guys have raised a little over four hundred fifty eight thousand with fifteen days to go. You've you've obviously announced some stretch goals. Were you? How does this line up with kind of what you were expecting? Did you have any idea what to expect out of this? Did you were you kind of scared that maybe there wasn't going to be a big enough audience for classic games like this, or, or does this surprise you in any way? Uh, a, a little, a little, of, of, yeah. I mean, I, I think there was definitely that that you know that little bit of fear that people actually don't want to play a classic adventure game. You know mm-hmm. that that. You know, yeah, they enjoyed those games back when they were kids or a long time ago, but they really don't want to play it now. I mean, I think that was always this nagging thing in the back of our minds. So, 
you know, it's just been wonderful to see the yeah. support that we've gotten from people, you know, for this idea. It's just, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, I think any question that we had about it has been completely put to rest. Yeah. And right now, whether or not we, you know, make some of our stretch goals, but certainly not only one of the things about Kickstarter that we, you know, we're not used to, I would say, is that in the old days, as Ron has said, you know, you make this game, you kind of do it in a vacuum, you put it out into the world, and you'd wait three months and you'd get a review in a magazine. You know what I mean? Now, uh, every 15, well, probably close to that, I'll say every 15 minutes, somebody is like letting you know how they feel about something or making suggestions or whatever. And currently we have over 12,000 people backing this. Mm-hmm. And so we have a real community being built around this, which is something that's really unusual and unique. And we're going to utilize that to the full advantage we can. Yeah. It's like back then there was this months of kind of lag time between when you'd make the game and release the game and you get any kind of customer feedback from stuff. And, you know, now it's like, you know, we're, we're getting all of this customer feedback and we haven't even made the game yet. Right. It's right. This, it's this weird. It's this weird, interesting, you know, way to to get a lot of feedback. And it's great. I mean, it's it's wonderful to be able to talk to people. And, you know, once the game is, um, you know, completely funded and we start working on it, you know, we'll we'll have the Thimbleweed um, Park dot com website where, you know, we plan on being very open about the design of this game and, and the design process we're going through and, you know, d- different puzzles and stuff and decisions that we're making. And and it, it's 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 interesting to connect with people at that level. Sure. It, it is nice to to see, uh, like you said, the the sort of the community that's sort of risen up around this, especially lately. Kickstarter has been a lot of Kickstarters are starting to go through this phase where people are very sort of suspicious and skeptical of them because because some of us have gotten burned on, on this or that Kickstarter, uh, as opposed to like a year and a half or two years ago where everybody was just throwing their money at everything that they saw. Um, it's, it's nice and it's fun to see one that everybody feels pretty confident in and in the, in the comments, the people who are offering suggestions aren't just like trying to figure out ways that, that you're, that you guys are trying to like dupe us or something. It's, uh, it's actually all pretty, everybody does seem pretty excited and, and the, the suggestions they're making are actually constructive suggestions. Uh, yeah, the the suggestions are good. I mean, there's, there've been a lot of good comments and, you know, the, I mean, the whole, we just, you know, we just announced yesterday that we, you know, we had one of the reward tiers, the $50 reward tier was you would get your name in the Thimbleweed Park phone book that's, mm-hmm. you know, actually used in the game. And, um, you know, one of the, when, when somebody had commented on the comments forum about us, uh, you know, letting people actually record a voicemail message, you know, that, that you would, um, get if when you called the phone book and you know that was a great suggestion that came from the you know the comments for the game and, and then we you know we Gary and I talked about it and thought that was a great idea and, and kind of announced it so it's you know it's that kind of feedback that's that's super interesting to have sure I I, I was wondering about that actually are, are you guys afraid that you're going to get inundated with with mp3s or whatever file format people are going to send it and it's just going to be like a hell of a project of its own to handle or are you just kind of like, yeah, it on? I mean, that, that is, that is definitely going to be an issue. And, and I thought about that a lot before we announced it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I kind of have this whole idea in my head for how that's all going to work and how people will be able to, you know, submit their, you know, wave files or whatever and kind of a pipeline for processing all those. So, 
it, it's not something we just jumped into and thought, hey, that's a cool idea. Sure. You know, we 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 thought about it a little bit. I will say one of the things that's, you know, I mean, obviously, there are a lot of people who have experience making games, putting Kickstarters out, and, and they're more you know apt to get funded and get press coverage or whatever. But certainly in the case of what we're doing, Ron and I have a very clear vision of what we're doing. We've done this stuff before. We understand how to do it. And so we're very confident that we're going to be able to deliver this and deliver what we say we're going to deliver. So sure. that's, you know, it, and it's been amazing to us to put that out to the world and see the response. Yeah, I mean, we're trying to keep keep the scope realistic, you know, and that's why, you know, we figured out what we wanted to make. You know, we tried to be very clear about that on the Kickstarter page. And, you know, we're, we're really going to kind of keep to that scope, you know, and, and try to, you know, deliver, you know, what we said we were going to deliver in a way. And that's hard. I mean, it's, it's not to say that we won't screw a lot of stuff up. I mean, I don't think I've ever worked on a game where I haven't screwed, screw a lot screwed of stuff up, up a bunch sure. of stuff. It's just the nature of doing it. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think the danger of any project is just scope. You know, it's it's keeping the scope to be something that's that's realistic. And then, you know, usually you do OK. And the uh, other thing is we want to really make sure we evoke that same feeling you had playing those games. Sure, sure. And I, I, I feel like that idea of of managing the scope of the game has come through in the kickstarter one of the things that i was uh sad and happy both to see at the same time but more happy than sad was that uh you're expecting to to be finished what is it june of 2016 right yeah and i'm like part of me is like ah it's almost two years or it feels like almost two years off i guess it's about a year and a half off but uh, so often i see kickstarters that are like we'll be done by the end of the year and then it's like 12 uh, months later and they're like, all right, we're getting there. And then like yeah. six months after that, it's like, all right, now we're done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once again, we built these things before and 18 months is a realistic time frame to build this. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing is putting realistic time frame. The reason we have the budgets we have is for what it's worth. That's a realistic budget for us to build this. Yep. Well, I, I think it's, I, I feel like you've, uh, for, for, for speaking as a backer, I feel like this everything about this project seems realistic. I think the budget seems realistic. I think the time frame, uh, while I would like to see it tomorrow, that's not really realistic. I, I feel like June 2016 is it seems like a good goal for what you guys are trying to do for, for if from you an back, outsider. If you back that time machine Kickstarter, you might be able to see it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look for that one next. Um, on your uh, so, so you say that. Uh, Thimbleweed Park is going to have uh, an easy mode and a hard mode. I'm, I'm curious as to how that's going to work out, specifically with a point-and-click adventure game. Well, it's going to work the same way that it did in Monkey Island 2, because Monkey Island 2, you know, had an easy and a hard mode. Oh, I don't even remember that. Yeah, it did. It did. It was it, it was kind of added almost as a joke. Like, like the bullet point on the back of the box was, you know, e, uh, an easy mode for magazine reviewers. And, <laughs> you know, so we kind of did it a little bit as, as, as a joke. But I do think it actually worked really well. And the, the way that it worked was... Um, you know, puzzles are kind of made up of these long puzzle chains where, you know, uh, to get, you know, to get through a door, you know, you need a key, but there's four or five steps that you need to actually get the key to right. be able to unlock the door. And in easy mode, you know, the key is just, the, you know, the door is just unlocked. 
okay. or the key, you know, there aren't the five steps to get the key. You just kind of remove the steps. So from a production standpoint, it's actually a really easy thing to implement because we're really just pre-solving puzzles for you. And and I think that's the key is is you don't want to create two games, right? You don't want to create this hard game and then this whole set of um different puzzles for the easy mode. And and that's where that you know the the pre-solving the puzzles works. And so for people who kind of want that true hard classic adventure game feel, you know, you just play in hard mode and you get all the puzzles. If you want a faster, quicker experience, then you can play easy mode. And the great thing about easy mode is you can almost play easy mode and then go back and play it in hard mode because you'll be introduced to a whole bunch of puzzles you'd never seen before. Uh, I think I think that sounds like a really sounds like a, a good way to approach it. Just kind of circumvent some of the puzzles, or or, or just take out all the links in between, like you said. Um, I think that makes sense. Uh, I think you mentioned this on your Kickstarter, but can you give us an idea of how big your team is going to be for making this game? It sounds like it's just you guys right now, and then you're going to add one or two in a little while, and then maybe two or three more people after that. Is that a, can you give us an idea of how that's going to work out? I think to a certain degree, it depends on, you know, where we go with the stretch goals and stuff like that. But certainly in the beginning, it's going to be just me and Ron. And then, you know, we'll bring on people as we need them. I think um, we bring on another program and we bring on another artist about, uh, what is it, Ron? Uh, like six months, six yeah. months in, we would, we would add a programmer and artist. Yeah. And, and then, you know, we're going to contract out the sound. We have a, uh, the music rather, we have a music guy already who did the uh, music on our Kickstarter, which is, I think, a fabulous piece of music. And then um, we'll also, you know, contract that play test. Okay. Um, all right. Now, I've got somewhat of a random question for you guys. Um, my co-host, Blake Corey, and I were on the podcast a few weeks ago. We were talking about the, the old classic point-and-click adventures. And we sort of had this epiphany that the richest property that LucasArts had at its disposal was never created was never turned into uh, a point-and-click adventure game, or was never used for any point-and-click adventure games. And that, of course, is Star Wars. Uh, I, w- I, I'm, I wonder if you guys can tell us whether there was ever any, whether anyone ever threw out the idea of a Star Wars point-and-click adventure back, adventure back when uh, LucasArts was having its point-and-click heyday. Was that ever something that, that you guys considered? Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was something we talked about a lot, and the you know, the issue was that um, Lucasfilm had licensed all of the computer and video game rights to other people. So oh. it's it's this weird situation where, you know, we were all working at Lucasfilm for George Lucas, who made Star Wars, and we <laughs> could not make Star Wars games huh. just because they had all the rights had been licensed out. And. I, I think all of us that were there were, you know, frustrated by it because we were big Star Wars fans at some level. But I think we all look back on it and realize that that was just a blessing in disguise. Because had we been able to make Star Wars games, I think that's all we would have made. <laughs> there would have been no Maniac Mansion and no Monkey Island and no Grim Fandango. And none of this stuff would have existed if if we could have made Star Wars games. And, and I think you, you see that or saw that in the more recent LucasArts when they did start making Star Wars games. It's It's all they made. That's interesting. That's an interesting take on it. And I never thought about the, the rights being licensed out. 
oh yeah, we were told you can't make you can't make Star Wars games. You know, for a while we couldn't. We we made one Indiana Jones game or a couple Indiana Jones games later on, but right. in the very beginning we were not allowed to make any of that stuff. It was basically go off and make interesting stuff. In fact, the way the Lucasfilm Games division started was uh, Atari said there's a lot of overlap between our audience and people who want to watch Star Wars and you know we're in the Bay Area George Lucas is in the Bay Area let's give George Lucas a million bucks and see if he can do something interesting for us and that was where the genesis of the games group came from and where Ball Blazer and Rescue the first two games came from huh that's pretty cool um, okay, so I have a question for you guys, uh, and I don't want you to try to, to, to deny this, because this is on your Kickstarter page. Um, you've threatened to microwave a hamster if your uh, Kickstarter's not backed. Now that the Kickstarter has been successfully funded, I wonder if you can give us a guarantee that the hamster has been released from the microwave and is in safe hands. Well, I mean, there still are two stretch goals to make. <laughs> well... Yeah, I will say this: the hamster may be getting out of danger, but other things could be. I'll just leave it. Okay, at that. all right, fair enough. We'll leave it at that. But the hamster, so the hamster is safe. Uh, well, relative, let's just, relatively let's safe just as hamsters are. Safe. Okay, <laughs> you've released them into the there wild. Are, <laughs> there are still two stretch goals to make, so I don't, I don't want to say the hamster's out of the uh, you know the danger zone yet. So, so, so no promises. We'll see what happens. Um, okay, last question for you guys. Grog or root beer? Oh, well, I guess it depends what your definition of grog is, right? Because, um, you know, if it's, if it's the stuff that's actually in, uh, Monkey Island with, you know, that horrible list of ingredients, then I think I would choose root beer. But in the real world, I'm, I'm kind of a, a sucker for rum. All right, okay. Gary? You have a preference, grog or root beer? Uh, I don't drink alcohol. Root beer. Okay. That's more, that alcohol yeah. that burns up the cup that you're pouring yeah, into. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, uh, guys, is there anything else that you want to say before uh, before I let you go? No, I think you've covered just about everything. Um, you know, we really appreciate everybody uh, who's backed us, and you know, to the rest of the people who haven't, um, you know, check it out. Please consider backing us. Yeah, again, that's uh, Thimbleweed Park. You can find it on Kickstarter. I believe currently also if you go to thimbleweedpark.com, it redirects to the Kickstarter. Is that right? Yes, that's true. Yeah, and and yeah, I, I recommend everyone check it out as well. Looks like it's going to be an awesome project, especially if you uh, if you grew up on the point-and-click adventure games like I did. Uh, Ron and Gary, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Congrats to a successful Kickstarter. Best of luck with the game, and I really look forward to playing Thimbleweed Park. Yeah, thank, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. We appreciate it. That's the <laughs> worst. I'm plotting quickly. That is the worst applause I've ever heard. So there you go. That was uh, that was my interview with, with Ron and Gary. It was a awesome interview. And uh, once again, I, I know I said this in the interview itself, but be sure to check out their Kickstarter. By the time this... Uh, podcast goes up it's probably got about 10 days left or maybe a little bit more uh thimbleweed park you can also go to thimbleweedpark.com and it'll redirect you to their kickstarter and uh, if this is the kind of stuff that you like pitch in but once again they've uh they've they've surpassed their goal pretty far so uh it's they're not having any trouble getting this funded i'm going to check it out right now actually right now they've got 463,000 blake uh, we should uh, make a bet on it See if they're going to reach it. 
Yeah, do you think they're so their so their uh, next stretch goal is iOS Android? That's 525. They'll reach that. I think they'll reach that. I don't know if they're going to reach the uh, the 625,000, which is uh, voice acting. But um, we'll see what happens. I I don't know. It, it I mean, they're at 14 days ago. They've already got 463. Uh, man, it. Do you know how much they've gotten in the last day? Have you been keeping that uh, much? Yeah, they've gotten, oh gosh, I want to say 5,000 in the last day. Hmm. I don't know if they'll hit 600. They could, they could get that big final day surge. There is that. There is there is that final day surge that you sometimes get. Well, anyway, best of luck to them. I hope they get it. Um, we'll see what happens, but uh, I'm, I'm just excited that it's going to be, that it's going to be made. I'm really, really excited about this game. So uh, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and talk about uh, what, do, what, should we, what do you guys want to talk about next? Do you want to talk about fashion? Uh, or, it depends. We can talk about tech, like I don't or? think depends are a good fashion. <laughs> no one looks good in those. <laughs> we can talk about nah. we can talk about like nah, yeah. uh, tr- travel or high society. What do you guys talk about hiking? What hiking last weekend? That was nice. We can talk about games. How about games? Oh, fuck. Do we have to? Yes, we have to. I don't know. That's I don't our know job. What That's what our job is. <laughs> I have a job. I have a mole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I have a mole. Mole, 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 mole. All right, who's going first? Who's going Blake, first? you spoke first. I guess you get to go first. You spoke first. I love how we're all, ta- we're all having a conversation and just <laughs> 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 as Blake talked. I mean, whatever. I can go first and just kind of get it out of the way. Do you want to do virtual paper rock scissors? I'll go first. No. That. You want me to go first? Oh, Robert goes no, first. I there. Go All first. right, you go, go, go. No, no I want to go first. I'm guys. literally <laughs> in the middle of trying to. <laughs> the first time ever. No, no, me, me. All right. Um, unfortunately, I was not able to wrap up the game for this session like I thought I was going to be able to because I've been dealing with a bunch of tech issues with my computer for the last week, uh, and with and Thanksgiving. It's on its fourth playthrough. <laughs> no, I haven't lost my save file this time around, thank God. Uh, but I'm, I think I finished up the first dungeon, yeah. And, oh man, I'm just so mad at my computer. I wanted to be done with it so I could play something else for the next one, but yeah. Majora's Mask, the finale, should be for the next podcast. Uh, for now, I guess I'll just complain about, uh, I will say I like that they add some, like, new, quote, combat mechanics in this dungeon. They In the first dungeon, they have you... You've only really got the one mask, the Deku scrub mask. And you can use that to go into, like, these dirt mounds. And what you do is you go into this dirt mound, and then you can pop out, and you can kind of fly away. You float, really. But they've also given it a combat application, which is kind of an interesting idea. It just doesn't feel very Zelda-esque. This is Majora's Mask we're still talking about, right? Yes. Correct, yes. Still talking about Majora's Mask, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so you pop into these holes, and the thing that they do is they added these turtle enemies. But they don't really give you any hint on what you're supposed to do about it, so I ended up finding it out on accident, which is the exact same way I discovered it the last time I played the game. <laughs> and what you do is you go into the hole, you wait until the turtle enemy is running over you, and then you pop out and it knocks the turtle over. And that's Damn the only that. way that you can damage them. At least from the tools that I have right now, you probably get some stuff later on that you can use against them too. But it's like, 
it's this combat-oriented change that they've made to the game, which is also somewhat puzzle-like, I guess, which is cool, but it, for me, it just feels very strange to have something like that in a Zelda game implemented in that way. I like the idea. It's something that they've been trying to do with Zelda for a long time. I think it specifically really started with Ocarina of Time, where they try and change the combat, because uh, I feel, I guess a lot of people feel like the combat is boring, so every iteration of the game since then, every Zelda game has added or tried some kind of new combat mechanic. And it's it feels so strange. Like it, it, For me, they're working on the wrong thing for the Zelda series. Just keep working on the puzzles, make some new interesting puzzles, instead of having these one-to-one motion controls and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. I like just kind of being able to... I like the comfort of just being able to push a button and he swings a sword. Yeah, exactly. Instead of like, well, I've got a now I've got a burrow down here, or like in Wind Waker, there are all these uh, QTEs. There's all sorts of timed button presses to remove armor and stuff. I feel uh, like I feel like if anything, like if you if to make the combat, I'm trying to I'm kind of thinking back uh, to the original Legend of Zelda, and I feel like the challenging part of the combat in that game was not getting hit by stuff. Uh, whether you're yeah. dodging, uh, like, uh, projectiles or, like, trying to attack bad guys without them hitting you first, I feel like that was kind of, it wasn't, like, how you attack, but it was doing that in a way where you're still... how you survive. Yeah. 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 Which is a fairly Dark Souls-esque approach to it, really. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, I, I liked it. That's what I, I mean, it, obviously, it's what I grew up on. It's what I liked about the series when I was younger. I liked the puzzles. And I've talked about it a few times before on the on the show. I wish they would put more emphasis on improving the puzzles instead of focusing so much on combat stuff because the puzzles still come down to a lot of oh here's the bow and arrow stuff like that, which is different in uh wind or not wind waker <laughs> uh in Majora's Mask so far. But I haven't I don't feel like I've gotten to any real puzzles anything that I would count as a puzzle. It's basically. You are able to turn into a Deku scrub, go ahead and jump into this plant and use it to fly somewhere else. That's not really a puzzle so far. And push some blocks around. Which Yeah, but when you go for the fairy mask the fairies, that's where Yeah. Okay, there's a little more to it, but yeah. Yeah. They do start adding in a lot uh different stuff, which I'm expecting. I'm waiting to see some of the bigger changes. Uh because it's uh the mask system. It's completely different from the tools that you get in a typical Zelda game. You don't really get your bow and arrow. You don't get the boomerang and stuff. You get the Deku scrub, which can burrow into holes and spits bubbles, which is they don't they haven't implemented a puzzle yet where it's like, oh, you have to shoot the, this eye with your Deku scrub's bubble attack. No, you only have to use it for a couple things, and most yeah. of it, I don't think any of it's in dungeons to be honest. Yeah. Mom's a dungeon. Yeah, she is, dude. I had 40 man raid that shit. <laughs> Ready? Ready? Got her. Oh my god. Alright. You started it. Well, I got That was the best response I could have asked for. Yes, it was. So, Blake, uh, your opinion on uh, Majora's Mask is pretty much the same, I take it? Uh, so far, yeah, like, I didn't get enough time to get into where I'm expecting the meat of the game to be, so for now, it's still pretty much like, this doesn't feel anything like a Zelda game for me. That's why I like it so much. Yep, exactly. I and actually I, really like Wind Waker too. funny enough. You don't like, like, do you not like, like, Ocarina of like, Time? 
Ocarina of Time is okay. I really didn't like the first Zelda for 64 that much. I really liked Majora's Mask, and I really liked Wind Waker. Ocarina of Time was the first one on 64. Oh, is that what it's called? Oh, I was thinking that was one for um, Super Nintendo. What was one for Super Nintendo? No, Link to You are such a poser. Wow. What? Why? Because yeah. of what you just said. Why? Because I mixed up the titles? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm like trying to figure out what you're trying to find. Do you no, no, do you like do you like the Super Nintendo one? It's okay. Like I think it's like, it's fun. I pl- I played it on um, uh, Game Boy actually before I played it on Super Nintendo because re- I believe yeah they remade it for Game Boy like in the early 2000s and uh, I enjoyed it. It was really fun. But so I Game like Boy Majora's Advance. Mask a lot. What'd you say? So Game Boy Advance, you mean? Game Boy Advance, yeah, which whichever one was. Well, I, I just say I, Game Boy I, like I, generally. <laughs> You get every name of everything confused. Well, dude, do you know how many Game Boys there's been? There's been, like... I don't know if they ever remade Link to the Past. I thought they made one... Oh, maybe I'm thinking of... No, didn't they make it for Game Boy? games, The Seasons? No, because they made... I'm going to Google it, because I'm pretty sure. Link to the Past, Game Boy. Jay's mom. (laughs) Yeah, they made it for Game Boy Advance. Did they, huh? Yeah. Includes multiplayer Four Swords. Ooh. Yeah, I was supposed to say... Because yeah, I played uh, that, I and then I played Seasons yeah. afterwards, which was Seasons was pretty fun. It was kind of the same thing, though. But call me a poser, you fucking liar, Robert. <laughs> Slit your throat. Sorry, you're not a poser. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, Robert. So, uh, Majora's Mask. Good game. Four out of ten. Um, I undetermined out of ten for now. Okay. You're giving it a fair chance. You're giving it a fair shake. I'm I'm trying to, yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Jay. What's up, dog? What have you been playing? Um, I've actually been playing two games, but I'm only going to talk about one of them a little bit because I had a lot of trouble with it, and then I'm going to probably play it more next week. Okay. So I'll talk about that one first because it's really short. Um, so <clears throat> I started playing uh, Gauntlet Legends. You guys ever played Gauntlet before? The yeah. arcade game? Yeah, yeah, yeah the original. Yeah, the okay, so um, I was a huge fan of Gauntlet when I was a kid. I spent like... Tons and tons of hours. It was, it was like, it's funny because I played Gauntlet until Dynasty Warriors came out. And then when Dynasty Warriors came out, I played Dynasty Warriors for like 10 years. Like, but Gauntlet was. Wait, Dynasty fantastic. Warriors? Yeah, Dynasty, like, like, as like a multiplayer game. Like, I played Gauntlet with all, all my friends. And then once Dynasty Warriors came out, I played Dynasty Warriors with all my friends. Well, those games are like 20 years separated from each other. It's not 20 years. Gauntlet came not out Gauntlet in like. Legends. Gauntlet Legends was yeah. a 64 game, yeah. I think. Yeah, oh, like, okay, okay. It was like 90... I think, it was, I think the original one came out in 95, I but they made a couple. About, I'm sorry. I thought you were... No. Let me check Gauntlet. Fucking poser. Yeah, well, Robert. <laughs> All right, let's see. Gauntlet Legends came out in 98. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. So, yeah. And as we just learned, the PlayStation came out in 94, so the first Dynasty Warriors probably came out in like 96, 97, I'd assume, something like that. So, yeah. Fuck you, Robert. Sorry. Anyways. Uh, yeah, Gauntlet Legends was, uh, it's, it was, it was, did it come to, I'm guessing it was an arcade game before it was 64, uh, Blake? Or did it go back I first? think so. Okay. So it's, it was, um, it was a four player game and you basically got to pick a character. There was like a ranger, um, a mage, there was a barbarian, and then there was a, what was the fifth one? Or fourth one? Wasn't there four? Wait, what'd you say? Barbarian, Barbarian, Valkyrie? Wizard, Valkyrie. Thank you. And then, um, so you start with those three classes, and then as you progress through the game, you could unlock more and more, which sucked because you had to start over because they, they, when you unlock the new creature or the new characters, you had to start back at level one, or I think they start like a little bit higher, like level ten or twenty or something, and uh, level them back up. But in arcade version, it's really shitty because every time that you want to do stuff like that, you have to put another quarter in. 
put another quarter in. I used to go there and I used yeah. to go to arcades and spend so much money playing Gauntlet Legends with, with friends and stuff. Um, but yeah, Gauntlet Legends is, it's a, you have like a top down view. That's the top down view, right? That's the correct verbiage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, because you guys always give me shit. Anyways, so it's top down, <laughs> and uh, pretty much you share the screen with all four people, which can be kind of annoying at times because um, if you are in a spot um, that like and the screen moves and you get stuck in a corner, everybody has to move the screen back so that you can kind of maneuver your way back through it. And oh, um, is it like where like if one person's in a corner, you can't you can't go anywhere because they're you like, can, but what can happen? So like let's say there's like a peninsula and you're on the peninsula, and then everybody else goes across the bridge. And they like move the screen away from where the bridge is. You're stuck on the peninsula, and everybody has to come back across the bridge. And then you have oh, to walk yeah. all the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Get, there's like little stuck spots. But uh, pretty much what would happen is uh, mobs would just continuously spawn from these like little cavern-looking things, and you the mobs would obviously get stronger as the game progresses. But you DPS on the mobs, and then you break their little houses so that they stop spawning. Um, there's interactive objects in the game like explosive barrels and different things like that. Um, you can loot keys that open chests, and um, there's a lot of there's like a little bit of strategy to it where you would try and get as many keys as you can without unlocking or with unlocking as few doors as possible. Certain paths took more keys than others, so sometimes you had to do a level a couple times to figure out the shortest path using the fewest amount of keys. Because the more keys you have, the more secrets you can get at the end, which was pretty cool. Uh, oh, it was very cool. Yes, it was very grind heavy. Uh, a lot of times you would grind and grind and grind and grind and grind until you get like max level or gold, and then you would try and do the boss fights. The boss fights were pretty cool. Like certain ones, like there was uh, there was a Hydra who did like um, different uh, mechanics. There was just like you know stuff on the ground or stuff um, closer to the boss, like melee damage and stuff like that. So um, it was weird though, because like even as a barbarian, you still had a ranged. All of your attacks are pretty much ranged until something got into your melee. So, like, everybody just, like, the wizard throws a little, like, fireball-looking thing or, like, a bolt-looking thing. Uh, Archer obviously shoots arrows. Valkyrie just throws their hammer, and the barbarian throws his axe. But then when you get in melee range, they start meleeing, which I'm not really sure, because I didn't really, like, crunch numbers or anything, if it does more or less damage if you're in melee range. I, I don't know. But the cool thing about it is when you kill enough enemies, you build up your, um, you can get your special. And your special was, like, you would use it, and like when me and my friends would use it, it was really fun because we would actually like try and use them somewhat strategically. And so pretty much everybody's ultimate would just fire this big ass whatever it was, and it would just annihilate the entire screen. And then you just like run through and like break down the houses so nothing else would spawn. So there's like a little bit of strategy to it. Now this is like though I'm talking about it, and it was really it's kind of exciting to talk about when you play with a lot of people, but when you play alone, uh, like, and especially today, it's pretty shitty. It's I can see that. It doesn't hold up like at all. Like I was really, really sad because this is a game I spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours playing easily, and um, I played it and I, I got decently far into it. But I was like, I feel like I am just wasting a lot of time because it is the same thing over and over and over. If you're not playing with people and there's not fun stuff happening, like the interactive objects, like the explosive barrels, it's fun to blow them up on your friends. It's fun to like try and get your friends killed and do dumb <laughs> shit like that. Or like when they get caught in the corner, you just stop killing the mobs and just let them die or something. Like the stuff like that's fun, but. The game itself, it, it was okay, and I had a lot of problems getting it set up too, which is really weird. It was, it, I guess, because of all like the the pixels and stuff that's going on, it's very hard for a lot of emulators to handle it. So you have to install like add-ons and stuff, and it was, it took me a lot of time to get it within playable. And when I say playable, it was still really shitty, like flickering, and it was just awkward. So hmm. um, that was Gauntlet. 
Uh, I'm probably going to try it on another system, um, another emulation system to see if it's a little bit better. But I don't think I'll talk about it much more because there's just not there's not much to it. I mean, the storyline's fucking garbage. It's really simplistic. Like something bad happens and you have to like do your thing. And so. <laughs> just something bad happens. Yeah, yeah, something bad happens and you have to grind through more mobs. Like that was that's what we used to joke about. I'd be like, oh my god, guess what happened? Oh my god, we have to grind more mobs. What? Like game changer. No, but uh, so that's, that's Gauntlet. If, what that's, what, that's what the game says when you turn it on. You put in your <laughs> prepare to grind. Whatever it says, something bad happens and then it throws you into the dungeon. Yeah, it's pretty much like it's so funny. The intro, it's like this scroll opens and you just have to like read the story. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? And then like the game starts and you're like, ooh, I'm so absorbed in the story in this game. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah. Anyways, it doesn't hold up. It's really unfortunate because this is a big game from my childhood and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the other game I played, which we've actually already talked about, uh, was for Sega Genesis, which is Vector Man. Uh, when Blake talked about it a couple podcasts ago, I really wanted to play it again because he kind of brought it back, um, just kind of brought it back in my mind. I've been thinking about it a lot. And I felt like there wasn't enough to gauntlet to really justify talking about it on the podcast because it's just whatever. Um, so I started playing Vector Man again. I didn't get too far into it because um, obviously I was playing two games. Um, but uh, Vector Man was as good, if not better, than I remember. Like, just, I don't know. It was, it's still a really good game. Like, I, I'm amazed at how good it was for being 90, 90, what year? 96. I was like, that late. Yeah, I mean, so, if, for those you know, um, it is a, what is it called? A platformer? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> It's a platformer. I'm just kidding. It's an action platformer. Um, and essentially, the storyline doesn't really matter. It's, it's just something to do with like pollution or something. And in the future, it doesn't matter. But you you play as this robot. Blake Blake's talking about it a little bit. And um, there's there's nice mechanics. It, it's somewhat basic mechanics where you can crouch and shoot and jump and shoot. But what I really liked about the game, Blake, was how much shit there was to do in every single map. Like there are so many fucking secrets and stuff. There's you so can, many like, secrets and so many routes and so many different things you can yeah. do. It's really cool. I played the first level like ten times and I was like, I went a different route every single time and I still ended mm-hmm. up in the same fucking spot. And it's really what's really cool is like everywhere I, there's these TV screens. I think they're TV screens are like floating over. And like the first time I saw, it, I was like, I bet you can kill that. So I like shot it and I destroyed it and you get a power up. But what's funny is like you can kill a hundred TVs in a level and more than like half of them will give you a unique power up. Like, I got, like, yeah. a shotgun, I got, like, a spray and pray, I got this one that, like, shoots, like, a snake of bullets and then hits the ground and they, like, bounce and keep going. Like, I was like, what? And then one of them turned me into a grenade and I, like, rolled into enemies and then used the shoot button and you just explode yourself. One of them turned me into a spinner, like, a, like one of those, like, things where you, like, pull the string and it spins and you run at them and it does a bunch of damage. Like, there was just so many mechanics oh. to it and I was like, yeah, like a top, thank you. And, um... <laughs> Fuck you, Robert. That was uh, I was wondering. I was literally wondering if that's what you meant. That is actually what I meant, but okay. I didn't say it. <laughs> oh shit! I just spilled water. Uh, yeah. So there's like, <laughs> there's just a there's a lot of options in the game, and it, it was really cool to see it. And uh, I think I'm actually going to continue playing a little bit more just because the music was fantastic. I love the intro. The thing that pissed me off though, Blake, is when you have to watch the goddamn fucking uh, the starting screen every single time you die yeah. or you wipe. Yeah. It's so annoying, Robert. You you have to watch like the credits appear. It's like made by douchebag McGee face, and then it goes <laughs> and it like a V hits the screen, and then an E, and then a T, and then it does like all the letters across and spells Vector Man. Oh, the fuck! Oh, sorry. Whoa. I'm sorry. You can cut the that illusion out. is broken. That was my uh. Oh, hold on. What was that? That's me drinking water. Holy shit! <laughs> I got some lips, dude. That sounded Rain. obscene. 
you're obscene. Anyways, so um, so yeah, Vector Man, the intro screen, you have to watch the fucking letter spell, and then you have to watch Vector Man hit the screen, and it just pissed me off. I'm like, dude, I just fucking died. Like, I don't want to watch this. I want to get back in the level and try again. Oh, anyways, um, but yeah, great game. Really holds up. Like, it's funny because I played Gauntlet, assuming it was going to hold up pretty well, just because of how much I enjoyed it as a kid. It sucked. And then I played Vector Man. I was like, I'm sure this will do okay. No, this thing blew my expectations out of the water. Music's great. The graphics are actually pretty decent. And, like, just kind of the... I don't know. Like, it, it's just... It's a very well-done game, especially for its time. Like, I, I really think it's one of the better titles for Genesis, without a doubt. I've noticed that platformers seem to be the genre that have held up the best in general. Yeah, actually... I, so I, that doesn't I, surprise me. It actually does make sense. It's it's unfortunate that more That's don't... That's interesting... Yeah. I can see that. Uh, like, back when Genesis was out, I feel like the games that I liked the most were, uh, like, the beat-em-ups. But those do have not held up well. Yeah, I was going to say. But I think the platformers probably have, even though I, I didn't really play a ton of those. Good observation, Blake. Hey, thanks. You get a raise. <laughs> wow, what? Fuck you, Blake. Finally, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's about time. Sweet. So, uh, Vector Man, 10 out of 10. Uh, I'd say 8, 5, maybe? It, it's a really good game. Like, if you like platformer games and you haven't tried it before, give it a try, man. It's a really good game. I've got it on the uh, Sega Mega Sack Pack. I'll check it out at some point. <laughs> I don't know what to say here, Robert. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I think my laptop is really actually dead now because now there's a fly walking on it. <laughs> oh no, that's that's the OS. That's the OS screensaver. <laughs> okay. That's actually what I thought it was for a split second because it was on the screen. I was like, nope, that's a real fly. This is a dead piece of machinery. I've had it for like three months. I know you're waiting for me to say something. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not waiting on anything. Okay. I'll just make an awkward silence. I know. What is wrong with you? Seriously. We're doing a podcast. Why do you do this? That's not what we're (laughs) supposed to do. There's not supposed to be awkward silence. That's the opposite of what we want. Oh, okay. That explains a lot. Robert Ring, your host of the Classic Gaming Awkward Podcast. Yeah, Robert, that's you. Wow, that was a good joke. Thanks, Robert. (laughs) Dick. (laughs) You guys want to hear about what game I played? Not really, because I already know what it's about. It's going to be something Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid <laughs> Monkey Island Edition or something. <laughs> um, okay, so I played... I actually completed one of my New Year's classic gaming resolutions. Really? This game. Yep. And uh, I believe that this was actually the first video game I ever played. Wow. Wow. I'm actually kind of curious now. Want to take any, any guesses? Uh, Sherlock Holmes. Pong. No. Uh, Super Mario Brothers. Oh, the OG one? Yep. No, that, that's probably the same for a lot of people, to be honest. I thought you had something unique to say. Thanks yeah. for that. <laughs> like, really? You're that guy? I'm just saying, I think it actually is the first game I ever played, because I remember, I like... The game. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Robert. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You don't have to yell at me. Okay. Please don't hit me. We're even now. How about that? <laughs> even now. <laughs> I don't even know why, but okay. <laughs> so I played Super Mario Brothers. My uh, New Year's gaming resolution, one of them was to beat Super Mario Brothers because I never have. Oh, the first one is rough, too. The last oh, one is 
It's in the itch. Itch. Yep. And I finally used the word last castle. I finally did it. Wow. I tried it a few months ago and kind of got fed up with it and wasn't able to do it. The hardest part for me was not the last castle, which was hard, but it was the stage right before the last castle. Because you have to make it past like eight Hammer Brothers. Oh, those are such bitches in that one. They are so hard. And uh, there's no obvious places for mushrooms and flowers and stuff. I eventually found out where some were, which is how I eventually got past it. But if you don't have the flower, if you can't shoot fireballs, they are really, really hard to get by. Like, even as an old game, they're... they're so if you're not familiar with the Hammer Brothers and the original Mario, uh, they just throw shitloads of hammers at you. Like, they'll throw, like, 15 hammers at a time. Like, and they go yeah, up and... Yeah. No, they really do, because, like, they all come, like, spewing out of them. It's not like they throw one and wait till that one's Blah. gone. Yeah, they, like... Yeah, that's that's really what happens. They, like, vomit hammers in your direction. And, like, 15 oh, will come flying at a time. And they also jump. Ju- they jump sometimes, but... And then, like, even when they... After they throw 15 hammers, it might be, like, a one second or, like, half a second break before they throw a few more. So they're throwing hammers constantly, so you can't jump over them. It's really hard to run under them because the hammers are making the downward arch. You also don't know when they're going to jump because it's entirely random when they do jump. So you don't know when you're going to be able to run under them. It's really hard to jump over them. Uh, There are some parts where there's like a few different levels. Like there's a level of bricks that they might jump up on. And there's like two levels. So there's the ground and then a level of bricks and then a top level of bricks. And there will be two Hammer Brothers, and they kind of jump up and down between those. And your best bet on those is to wait until there's not one on the bottom and both of them are on one of the levels. That way, it's fairly easy to just run under them and get past them. But on the parts where they're just on the ground and there's no other levels to jump up onto, or for them to jump onto, or for you to go under, or whatever, it is really hard to get past it these guys. It is super, super aggravating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's how... That's what... Bowser basically is a hammer brother at, in the very end, uh, in the Spoilers. last castle. Well, I mean, like, he does, he, he's not a hammer brother, but he, it's Bowser, but he does, he throws hammers at you just like the hammer brothers do. And so it's really hard to get past him there, too. Um, so eventually what I had, so eventually what I found was on this one part there where the bricks are, where there's two levels of bricks, where two hammer brothers are jumping around throwing hammers at you, uh, what I had been doing was running past them. Uh, but I found out if you kill both of them, then there's a, uh, you can get a mushroom. It's like hidden in one of the bricks. It's like, you know, the, how there's the bricks mm-hmm. and sometimes they're going to break ones? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, not an invisible one, but a, one that's disguised just as a plain old brick. Mm-hmm. And a mushroom will come out of that and you can get that. And then on the next one, there's the same thing in a slightly different spot and you can get the flower. And if you get the, and I didn't know about that. I didn't know about either of those, and there's no other mushrooms or anything on the whole stage, so that made it really hard. But once I found those, once you get the flower, then it's easy, because all you have to do is shoot the Hammer Brothers with your with your fireballs. Uh, and that's how I ended up like getting past that level. Uh, I, I had gotten past the level once or twice before that, but there were I had it was rare for me to do so, because I would have so many continues in between. 
uh, I had to do the trick where you hold down A once you die and it starts you off. And it doesn't even oh, start yeah, you. Yeah, yeah it, it, the, the thing is, it doesn't start you off on the same level that you were on or on the same stage. It starts you off on the level. So, like, the le- I guess it goes, like, uh, 1, 1, 1, 2, 1, 3, yeah. then, <clears throat> then stage 2. Or level two, however you want to call it. Yeah. Then it's two or three. So it'll start you back. So that's level eight is the last level of the game, and there's three or four parts to that. So if you die, you can do the trick where you hold A, but it starts you back at eight one, and you only have three lives. So you got to be really careful with your lives. Um, and so eventually, I I found out about that you could get. I, I found where that flower was, and then uh, that made it really easy to get past that stage. I thought. When I did that, I was like, oh, I've got this made now, because now I can just shoot fireballs at Bowser at the end of the castle, but I, I lost my flower by the time I got to him. Uh, <laughs> That's also sexual. Yeah, it is. And, uh, but I still but I still managed to do it. I, I just happened... I was little Mario, and I was scared as hell, but I happened to like time it just right. I kind of bet on when he was going to jump, and I just went for it, and he jumped at exactly the right time, and I ran under him, jumped on top of the axe, Cut the bridge down, went to the other side, and a really, really ugly-looking princess toadstool was. I'd hit it. I'd hit it. (laughs) Like she looks like she has a deformity in this game. Once you you finally get to her, you know, watch your mouth. Um, I was surprised at how, even aside from those levels, at how challenging the game was. So I was playing it, and I was like, you know, like I've played a lot of hard games. I you know, like even like StarCraft Two, for instance. Like I wasn't great at that game, but I eventually got up to Diamond, which was which for me was really good. For anybody who played as long as I did, like it was kind of laughable how long it took me to get to Diamond. Hell no, Diamond. But like, really good. For instance, I got to Diamond in StarCraft Two. Like I won completely one hundred percented Rogue Legacy for crying out loud. This game is still really challenging. And Frustrating. Yes, yeah, very frustrating. Yeah, it can be That's frustrating. Great way of putting it before I go on a rant. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like you got when you're jumping, like even just as far as like jumping on mushrooms, you got to jump on them just right. Like there were so many times where I thought I was going to jump on one and I just like would land a little off and run right into them and die just because I didn't measure it just right. I feel like the the mechanics are pretty solid, and whenever you do die, it's 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 not because the controls suck or anything like that. Uh, for the most part, it's it's just because you haven't quite gotten good enough. You haven't quite mastered the game. There's still like a ways for you to go. So like, I guess you know, honestly, for me, I didn't really. I raged quite a bit, but I didn't ever feel like it was the game being cheap. I felt like it was just me. Well, I take that back. Some of the levels were really hard the way they're set up, but I felt like there was always a fair chance for the most part, except for maybe the Hammer Brothers at the end. Um, oh. One other thing was the uh, the tramp not the trampolines the little springs. Do you remember those? Yeah, little, yeah, yeah. Little jumpy springs. You have to hit jump at exactly the right time in order for them to work. And you also the thing about those is so there's these little springs and they make you jump really high. And you have like there's some parts of the game where you have to use them. Now if you press forward when you jump, if you press forward a little bit too late. Mario, like, barely moves forward. So if you're at the edge of a, like, little uh, pit and you try to jump over it and you, like, jump and then press forward, like, right after you jump, he moves forward just enough to fall directly into the pit. So on the spring thing, you have to go ahead and push forward 
uh, at the same time that you're hitting jump. And, or otherwise, if you don't push forward, like, soon enough, he'll, you'll just go right into the pit, regardless of how high you jump. But at the same time, if you don't push jump at the right time, he won't jump high enough. So there were plenty of times where, where like, I was like, alright, I gotta go ahead and push forward, but I wouldn't hit jump at the right time, and he wouldn't do a super jump, he would just do a normal jump and then fall into the pit. Like, those things really pissed me off. Uh, I do not miss Mario Brothers 1. <laughs> I have to say, I was really impressed by the game overall. I felt like they nailed so much and got so many things, like, really, really right in that game. Especially for it being, like, the first modern, uh, you know, using that term relatively, video game. Like, there was such a huge jump from, like, Atari to Nintendo. And Mario was the first kind of like real video, like the, it was the first real platformer, like we really understand platformers now. And I feel like there were so many things, like there are so many things in that game. The, the 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 levels change, they stay interesting the whole time. There are, you know, plenty of different kinds of enemies to where that all stays challenging and, and interesting. There's the mushrooms, the turtles, the flying turtles, the jumping turtles. There's the underwater level, there's the turtles, there, there's the, the little like beetle things. There's little things with spikes on their backs. Uh, there's the fish that come flying out of the bottom of the screen on those few levels. Uh, I, I like while I was playing the game, I was like, wow, like for whatever complaints you have about Mario, there are so many things that they got right on like the first game of this type ever. It's it's kind of amazing how to me how 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 good the game actually is for 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 its for whatever flaws it does have. What are y'all's thoughts? That game pissed me right the fuck off. <laughs> Real talk. I don't think I ever knew about the continue trick when I was a kid. Neither so did I. Fuck that I had game. No idea. Oh, uh, that would like be... you were talking about it. I'm like, is he serious? Yeah, I didn't find. I don't remember finding out about it until maybe a year ago. Oh damn. Yeah. If yeah, if you don't have the continue cheat, then you are completely fucked. There's no no doubt about it. Like do whatever warps you want. However, <laughs> like you're, oh, did you you're, did you use warps, Robert? Yeah, I used warps. Okay. I want to check. <laughs> like, hell yeah. <laughs> you kidding me? I mean, they're so easy to do. First off, you just jump to the top of the level on the underground levels and run past everything. But, uh, yeah, you, there's no way in hell, like, there's no chance at beating the game. I mean, like, yeah, if you're, like, a speedrunner and somebody who plays, likes to play the same game over and over, you can probably get to a point, I mean, you can definitely get to a point where you've perfected the game. Most gamers... Are you talking about beating without using the continue trick, or... Yeah, without, yeah just talking about... I beat without the continue trick, I just warped. You beat the game without using the, any continues? Oh, uh, without using the continue trick. You're talking about the That's one. That's the only way to continue is to use the continue trick. Oh, you only get was it? I thought you got. Oh no, maybe not. You get three well, lives. I, I beat it. And I, I didn't know about that until you talked about it. So you so you beat the the original Mario. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It That's took pretty a impressive. Long time to do. Yeah, it's fucking. Because I remember the the shittiest thing about that was is the last. I think it's the last castle where like you're going down the, like you're going down the pathways and then it splits into three. Mm-hmm. Little ones. Oh, uh, that's that's, them, that's the uh, that's like the second to last castle. Is it, yeah. Dude, when it, when you, when two of them have fireballs in it, and you just have a one in three chance of getting fucking killed, this is the stupidest thing I ever seen. I'm not sure. I don't. 
I'm not sure actually what you're talking about. I'm talking there's, about. I, I thought it's the last castle. There, you, you're like, there's like a certain part in the last castle when you're walking and you, you get to pick. There's like a one and two or one and three paths you can pick. And one of them has a fireball coming down it. One of them's safe and the other one has a fireball coming down it. And you have to pick without knowing which one the fireball is going to come down and you just have to, you just get lucky or unlucky. And that pissed me right the fuck off. Oh my god. I don't remember that. Okay. Maybe it's because you use the continue trick. There is. <laughs> <laughs> there is the thing, there's the one castle where you have to take the right path, there are a few paths you can take, and you have to choose the right one or else it keeps repeating forever. No, I remember that, that pissed me off too. That did a little bit, and then the last castle is kind of the same actually, but you have to choose which pipe to go down, and you have to figure out which which pipes to go down in which order to to get through it. And there's even like an underwater stage inside the castle. Ugh, it's, uh, God, I do, do not miss that game. It was pretty. It's pretty intense, but I still feel like the Hammer Brothers stage right before it is the most difficult, unless until you find the the flower, because once you get that, it's it's like like brain dead easy. And then you get to the last castle, and then when you like I said, you finally get past it, and then Princess Toadstool looks deformed, and she says like "Thanks for saving me," and then it's like that's it, that's it, and the game's over. <laughs> yeah. Also, I the last God. castle, isn't it like a giant clusterfuck of stuff? Like, you go through one pipe and then you're in a swimming zone or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's like, that's 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 really the extent of it. That's It's kind of like a regular castle and it's, like I said, it's also like the that other one where you have to choose the right, you have to go in certain pipes in the right order to advance. And yeah. then in one of them you go down and when you <laughs> pop up you are in a swimming, in an underwater uh, world for a few minutes. Or for like a minute, but then you get to Bowser at the end, and of course he's throwing a million fucking hammers at you and jumping around at the same time. He's a hammer brother from another mother. <laughs> nice, got him. <laughs> um, the music's awesome too. You can't argue with the uh. You are way off. No, keep going. Not. Keep going. Hey, hey, Jay, do you do you know what it's like to have fun? Yeah, I don't get it. You guys can't see it, but he's sticking his tongue out at me. What? Who is you? What? You, you, you with your mouth and your weirdness. You're still on camera. You remember that? Remember what? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Mario. Anyway. has awesome music. Any pick any stage. His music is really good. Okay. Okay then. Great. What are y'all's opinions on Mario? Do you like it? Do, do you like? It? it sounds like you don't. I'm not a big fan of the original. It sounds like, like y'all don't I give it as many breaks. As I yeah, I actually like the second one a lot. I like the third one obviously the most, but it's okay. Certain things about it. I mean, it's really frustrating. That's all I just remember is getting pissed as hell yeah. playing that game. Well, and then they've got the limited continues thing, which I've always hated. Yeah. I uh I I did start to rage a few times. I was like like sitting all by myself like alone but still like cussing out loud a little bit at certain parts of the game. But like I said, I I I have to give it a couple like some breaks. It did so much for video games in general and uh like I'm I was so surprised at how many things I, that I feel like it completely nailed without having any point of reference just about as a video game. So top threes. Da, da, da. 
<laughs> nice. Um, our top threes this week are top three licensed games. Games that are licensed by something. You want to do the general ones first, Robert? Yeah. Um, so this is the approach I took. Do we want to get obvious ones and like disallow those? You want to do I that? I mean, the, uh, there are so many obvious ones because there's so few good licensed games. I think yeah. the only one I could think of that I'd want to remove is... Do you want me to just say it? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Goldeneye. Okay, I was going to say that too. Yeah. Goldeneye is like the gimme... It's one of the... As far as retro game is, gaming is concerned, it's probably the the very best of licensed games. I don't know that any other game from back then even comes close. My uh, first place one I would put in front of it, but I would put it pretty much second place. Um... Also, well, well, okay, except for I'm also going to leave out Star Wars games. Well, yeah, yeah. We talked about that one. Um, we're not going to be doing any Star Wars games because we could literally have a list of just licensed Star Wars games. It's yeah, and that would be silly. Yeah, that would be kind of ridiculous. Uh, Got to throw out a shout-out to TIE Fighter, of course, and X-Wing. But we could sit here, for, like you said, for all day and talk about good Star Wars games. Yeah. Um, I, I'm also not going to do any sports games like licensed by the nfl or shit like that like i don't count that as licensed yeah so with those little stipulations out of the way who wants to go first with number three uh, top best licensed game that's not golden eye or a star wars game or a sports game blake spoke first no i didn't actually you did go oh nerd. hi uh teenage mutants of the turtles 2 arcade one yeah is that on your list Blake no I was just like I liked a lot of the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games even the beat-em-ups but like hey I don't know for me they just didn't do that it was fantastic it was a great multiplayer game are you kidding me it's it's a good game yeah but I didn't say it was bad I spent a lot of time on that game yeah I liked it I feel kind of like Blake does like it was a good game I liked uh, Turtles in Time that was my favorite one yeah you would But, uh, but I mean that one's good too Nobody's judging you for saying that. Nobody but me. Blake is. Talk shit, kid. Uh, Blake, you want to go next? Um, all right, I guess I could do that. Uh, mine is actually a Disney game. Funny enough, with all my hate on Disney. Oh, I think oh, I know yeah. what it is. I, I think I of do course too. you do know what it is. It's it's a crazy one. Um, it's actually both versions of the game, the Genesis and Super Nintendo oh, versions. Really? Yeah, very it's different. Like a good game. <laughs> uh, it's Disney's Aladdin on Genesis oh, and Super Nintendo. Oh. Okay. Oh, I was, really? I was thinking of another game made by Disney. All right. I can actually think of some other good Disney ones, but I, out of them, I preferred uh, Aladdin. Aladdin was better, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, another parts. good one, shut up, would have been like <laughs> Lion some King. of the Mickey yeah. games were good. And Lion no. Oh, yeah, like the, uh, the Sega Genesis Mickey game was really good. Uh, and then, like, Mickey... Oh, shit, that just reminded me and of another one. I cannot remember the names of them. But there's like these Mickey Mouse games where you get these suits and stuff or whatever. But the Disney Aladdin games for both systems were cool. They actually were completely different between the two systems. Uh, there were a couple times where they slipped into that problem of kind of like Lion King had where it's like the background and the foreground don't make any sense where they are. So you can't actually tell where you're landing, where you're jumping, <laughs> oh, where you're supposed I to be jumping that. to and stuff. It was so annoying. But overall, they were really, really fun Colorful, bright, uh, entertaining little uh, licensed games. Sweet. 
All right, well, that actually reminded me of a uh, another game. So my third was, my number three was uh, the Simpsons arcade game. Oh, you son of a bitch. But I think I'm going to have to change it to DuckTales. What the hell? Now you said mine. What is your problem? Why would you do that? <laughs> Fucking scumbag Robert. So, yeah, DuckTales, it was a really fun game. It was a pretty good platformer. It definitely had its flaws. Uh, it had a really awesome music. It was a fun Good mechanics. It was just a fun game. You're the worst kind of person. It's called DuckTales. Woo! <laughs> oh my god. That was amazing, Blake. <laughs> you really liked that, didn't you, Jay? It was, cause, it was funny because it was like quiet for a second. Like, he delayed it. Woo! Nice. Comedy's old-timing, man. Um, who, who went first, Jay? Jay did. Alright, Jay, what's Number your... Number two was Simpsons Arcade. Robert, fuck you! <laughs> Well, now tell us about it. Why Why was it so good? Simpsons Arcade was... I only played it... Did they make it for any systems, or is it only for the arcade? I know that sounds like a dumbass question. But... I think... I thought it was just arcade. Okay. I, I, never, I, I imagine it would be for 64, if anything, but I never saw it for any consoles. Uh, Simpsons Arcade was a four-player game where you could play as a variety of the Simpsons characters, and it was a side-scrolling beat-em-up, I guess that's how you... Yep. Correct wording? Yeah. And um, it, I spent a lot of money playing this game, because every time you lost your life, you had to put another quarter in... And boss fights were very just grindy. You just, there was very simple mechanics, but it was just it was a really fun game. There were some interactive elements to the to the um, the maps and stuff, and I don't know. It was just really fun because like I remember the mom's va- weapon was a vacuum cleaner. Lisa had the saxophone. Like it was just, and it was it was at a time when Simpsons was like probably at its peak, maybe. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I would agree too. Or cool. coming down from its peak. Oh god, yeah. Let's keep still. They're still making episodes. Yeah. I, I can't tell you the last time I watched an episode of The Simpsons on TV. It's probably been ten years, easily. It's been a while for me, but I still like it. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll tune in and watch it. And I have to say, I still, I still enjoy watching The Simpsons. Yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> wow. What? Why uh, did you just bust out measuring tape? I was checking some things. <laughs> Well, then you don't need that much of it out. Oh! Oh! Oh, that was a sick burn. All right, am I number, number two? two go. Is that, all right, uh, since it's already been talked about a little bit, I'd probably have it higher on my list, but I actually want to have my number one be a surprise, so DuckTales! Woo! Woo! Number two. <laughs> uh, timing, game. dude. Jesus. <laughs> the, it's, uh, it's an absolute classic, not just as a licensed game, but just as a game, period. Uh, you run around, it's got amazing music, you play as Scrooge McDuck, you go to the moon, you go through a haunted house, basically, you go to all these crazy locations like the Amazon and the Himalayas, and you bounce on things with a pogo cane, you the smack plants cane. around, and you collect money. Yeah, I was going to say, you collect a lot of money. You collect a lot of money. Like, that's the whole point of the game, is go collect money. Big surprise. That's what Scrooge does. That's how we do. Good pick. Robert, two, go. My number, my number two is Aladdin. <laughs> oh my <laughs> This is just going to be a fucking circle jerk. Holy shit. Oh my god. Oh, my number one is Aladdin. Oh, shit. <laughs> do you have anything to add? To I have something I'll, I'll, new. I'll, so, specifically, mine, I'm just doing the Genesis one. Oh, okay. careful. <laughs> slow down there big guy uh and just i just remember like the thing that stands out to me was how how good the animation was on it like 
the movement and the way that the characters were animated was really fluid and uh like a lot better like really a lot better than than any other game than or platformer wise at, at that time i feel like i don't know why everyone loved the genesis one more i'm, I'm not sure what that was i, I never I played, played the other one okay i remember enjoying both of them did the genesis one have the flying carpet escape sequence i think so I think but i would not be, be able to tell it'd you it'd be stupid not to well, no, I remember one of them, like, they had different escape sequences, or only one of them had an actual, like, gameplay part where you're riding the carpet, and oh, you're flying out of the tiger. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Jay, number one. Number one, Sega Genesis, Jurassic Park. I think courtesy of Robert, we were talking about this earlier, it yep. was a very fun game, very frustrating at times, but it was really cool because, oh. I, you know, my, my favorite thing about this game was, you could choose to start as the Raptor or you could start as Grant. And the Raptor was fun because it had its own mechanics and you went through the levels and there was that one bullshit level where you were in the fucking sewers and you had to time your jump perfectly otherwise you fell and died in one hit and it was the stupidest thing ever because it was like a third level so you would spend 20 minutes getting through the first two levels only to die in the third level three times in 15 seconds, which was kind of dumb. But uh, it was fun once you got beyond that. And then you could also play as Grant, which there's a variety of weapons. Like you, you ha- I don't think you ever killed any dinosaurs. You like put them to sleep or like stun gun them. I don't think you ever actually destroyed them though. Yeah, because he had the tranquilizer. Yeah. And I, now that you say that, could they even could they come back awake if you waited long enough? I don't think so. I don't remember no? them doing that. Okay. I just remember the Triceratops being a douchebag because he has that armor plated head, <laughs> and you had to like jump over him. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a really fun game, and some of the inc- it was really scary when I was a kid too. Like the intro music was really like kind of creepy and. Oh, and really? they show a T-Rex. Yeah, I, I, was, I saw Jurassic Park when I was six, and I was like a little bit scared by it. And then I played the Dude, game. Dude, I was scared shitless by it. And I yeah. was probably. 10. I was twenty-two. <laughs> <laughs> that game uh, scared. That was the first movie. That game. That that was the first movie <clears throat> that, like, in the theater, really scared me. Yeah, it was good. And the game. I mean, there was a lot of elements of the game. Like, it there was a T-Rex. There was one level where the T-Rex just keeps popping out at you, and I just remember being terrified of that. But yeah, see that. Good game, really fun game. I I rented it so many times. I never bought it. I rented it a lot. Oh uh, really? Yeah. Good choice. I'm glad Thanks. I gave it to you. I don't. Know, me too. <laughs> Blake, what you got for number one? Well, I just remembered another really great license game. Okay. And now I don't know where I want that one in my list. Um, so I'll just do two games really quick. Uh, X Men Two Clone Wars on the Sega Genesis. X Men Two. I'm going to have to look this up. It had uh, a bunch of different characters to play as. It had Psylocke. It had Beast, Wolverine, Gambit. Oh, yeah. That game was really good. That game was fucking great. I remember. Was it a multiplayer, too? Yep. Yeah. Okay, I remember this game. Uh, I don't think I ever played this one. It it had classic Genesis sound effects. It sounded (laughs) exactly like a Genesis game. (laughs) Um, It was just a great little beat-em-up. Side-scroll would beat-em-up. Um, that used it was one of, if not the best, uh, use of the X Men IP that I can think of. The was character that? variety is probably my favorite thing about the game. So many different characters you can play as, and they've all got their own little perks. Gambit can throw his cards. Wolverine can pull out his claws, and I don't know if it actually gives him a benefit, or if there's any benefit to not having his claws out. Psylocke's able to use her uh, side blade. Oh man, so much fun! 
And I think she can drain enemies, but I don't remember how you do it. I think it was a huge pain in the ass. Like what? Like vamp? Sort like vampire their health away or something? Yeah, something like that. I might be misremembering that. I think it had Jubilee too. Shit. Was anyway, this? All right. So was this what? the one where you uh, have to reset it? No, that was the original X Men. Okay. That's what I thought. That's just X Men. X Men Two Clone Wars is the quote sequel, I guess. Okay. Um, and my original number one game, it's actually another comic book game, which is hilarious, uh, is Maximum Carnage, which was, uh, uh, not a, it was a Spider-Man game. You played as, it was two player again. Uh, one of you would play as Spider-Man, the other would play as Venom, uh, and it was just a beat-em-up game, and it had tons of characters, just little random, like, uh, cameos from a lot of characters. Would they would just show up and be like, "Oh, hey, I shot somebody. I'm gonna leave now." <laughs> just walk in, shoot somebody, walk off. And a lot of them appear as uh, appears like power ups and stuff, temporary power ups or little things that you can summon, stuff like that. And it was a great use of the Spider-Man IP. It's not a great game. It falls into a lot of the old. Classic kind of Streets of Rage beat em up problems that I have, but it was a really, really fun game. Anyway. I don't think I ever played this one. Really? How did you guys never play Maximum? Carnage? I played it. Oh, no, not Maximum okay. Carnage. I was thinking of the X Men game. I'm sorry. Okay. No, I, I, I've seen, I saw the game, but I never played it. Hmm. Also, it had one of the most bitching cartridges ever for the Super Nintendo version. There were two versions. There was a Super Oh, Nintendo actually, I saw a Genesis. picture of that recently. Oh, of course you did. <laughs> No, it was and... on, it was on it was on a Reddit it was on a subreddit the other day somebody posted so a picture of it. It's... <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead and describe it. Well, all right. So there are two versions of the game. I don't think there are any gameplay differences between the Genesis and Super Nintendo. Nothing that stands out anyway. Nothing significant. But the case, uh, the cartridge, it is a like bright red cartridge, front to back. It's just. One of those weird little things where they're like, oh, let's do something cool with our cartridges this time. And sure, why not? Sure. Yeah, it looks really cool. And it like and it looks really good. Like, also goes really well with the art on the cartridge. Yeah, that's true. It blends in with the uh, the sticker art on it really well. Yeah. I'm trying to find this picture of it that I was... Of course, now I can't find it. Picture that I saw of it the other day. Robert, what's your number one? My number one is fitting, uh, given the the interview that we just had, that everybody just listened Do to it. a few minutes ago. Uh-huh. Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. This is a LucasArts point-and-click adventure game, and it was really re- shit. It was really really good. Um, it was, I mean, up there with the better point-and-click games that they made. And uh, it had a really awesome story. It was the second Indiana Jones point and click. The first one was uh, just Indiana Jones and uh, The Last Crusade. This one, they created a new story for Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, and they did a really good job on it. It was just a really good, really solid point and click. It was tons of fun. Graphics were cool. Puzzles were good. The game was good. I was, I played it really good. Are you sure about that? There are good things about it, too. Yes. It was a very... Okay, good then. Cool. Uh, with that, with, with, that was, without a doubt, my uh, 
my favorite one. Or my favorite licensed game, not my favorite point and click. <clears throat> so, how about that? How guys, about that? What do you guys think about that? Uh, I think that was a pretty good list. I think they were pretty good too. Um, we don't, we didn't get any emails. Aww. <clears throat> we gotta, we're gonna have to do something about that. <laughs> we're gonna have to do something about this email situation. Uh, what are we gonna do about this email situation? Commit a felony? Okay. Do good idea! Do. Great! <laughs> We'll commit a felony every week we don't receive an email. <laughs> every week we don't receive an email. We'll I'm going to commit another felony. All right. Jay, I'm going to open first. somebody's mail. I'm going to open somebody's mail then. <laughs> on the air. I'm gonna open, open somebody's open because we're not getting our own. Hey, oh, got me. <laughs> <laughs> got that's, me. That's about that. That's enough of that. Uh, <laughs> oh, Blake, son. So. Uh, no emails, so uh, I guess we're on to real quick outros on what non-classic games we've been playing. Have any of you guys been playing anything not classic-y? Yeah, I'm playing Work. Uh, really, really fun game. <laughs> Multiplayer. Um, it's, <laughs> you really have to, to work together as a team, otherwise, you know, just ends. Does it have a real money auction house? You sound it like little management. Yeah, it's good times. Real money auction house. <laughs> Blake. Uh, I don't know that I've been playing much else. Uh, oh, you know what? Actually, uh, I got a copy of Shadow of Mordor for twenty bucks. Oh shit! Yeah, I am surprised at how good the game is. I thought it would I heard be it was really good. I've a heard... pretty okay title. Uh-huh. I've honestly been blown away by how much fun I've been having with it. It's probably like an eight out of ten game. That's awesome. You want to give a rundown for anybody who isn't too familiar? I mean, it's it's kind of like Assassin's Creed plus Batman Arkham games with a Lord of the Rings skin thrown over it and a couple of gameplay tweaks to go along with that. And I love the Arkham games. I love Arkham City. So I was already interested in the game just because from a gameplay perspective, it looked kind of cool there. And I love Lord of the Rings. I love Tolkien. I love Middle Earth stuff. Um it plays exactly like those. You stealth around, you have a bow, you have a sword, you get into melee combat, it's flashy stuff, it's very simple for how flashy it is to control it, and it's just a lot of fun. There's all sorts of collectibles and stuff. Good game. Nice. Um, how, how many hours do you have in it so far? Uh, I'm just at six hours right now because this game is one of the reasons that I was realizing how many tech issues my computer was having. When I would try to play it, uh, my computer would usually shut down after about 15 to 60 minutes. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Um, well, that's cool. I've been playing... Typewriter. <laughs> hey, that's a classic game. We're not talking about classic games right now. I'm I'm working on Tie Fighter, but I'm waiting until I finish it. Uh, I, really, the only I think I've been playing. I've, I'm still working through Divinity Original Sin a little bit. Uh, I started playing Dwarf Fortress once again. Oh God. Uh, I never have gotten far enough into it to really get the game yet. Uh, I I'm going to. 
Cut out your mic. Hello? Robert? I'm going to cut out my microphone. Is that better? Hey, hey, hey. hi. Basically, this time, this play, I, this this time, I'm finally going to give it uh, a fair chance, which basically means I have to play it for like six hours so I can figure out how to play the game. And then it's supposed to be a really awesome game. So, I've spent about three hours so far following a tutorial online, figuring out how to play it. And, um, so far, I'm, I still have a way, I, I'm like halfway to like where cool stuff is going to start happening. One of my guys killed a hippo. Okay. One of my guys killed a boar too. He, he got like a nice. nice fight with the boar. It was pretty right, sweet. Do you have like a list of accomplishments up right now and you're just looking through the list? No. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. You're like... Uh, okay, okay. One of my guys <laughs> killed a, a hippo. <laughs> no, Just nice long pause, <laughs> and uh, another one killed a boy. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I just remember that because like it was like the first thing that happened in the game. Like as soon as I hit unpause, like my ranger guy like killed his hippo, but it was in a river, so like I, all it did was spread blood all over the place, and he couldn't like retrieve the hippo or anything. And then he got in this, like, epic fight with the boar later where he, like, wounded it on every single part of its body, but it was still hadn't died yet. And it was, like, passing out every now and then. And then he, yeah, he was a badass. But he had to... He, he didn't finish the job, though. He had to retreat. Uh, the name of my... Uh, the name of my fortress is Roast Hammer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good talk. Good talk. Good talk. Jay, any questions about? Dissociated. Nope. <laughs> well, I guess that does it for this episode of the podcast. I hope you guys liked it. Thanks once again to uh, Ron Gilbert and Gary Winnick for taking the time to talk to us or to talk to me. I didn't talk to you guys. That was tons of fun. And uh, again, go check out their Kickstarter, Thimbleweed Park. Follow us on Twitter. What's our Twitter name? Uh, ooh, uh, 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 Team Coco? <laughs> Team Coco Pups. Uh, Class Games Cast. It was close. Oh, hey, hey, that's, we what close. that's what I said. We that's what I said. Okay, that's what you said. I misunderstood. Um, send us some emails, please. We need them. We're dying here. We need some emails. We like emails. <laughs> we miss you. We miss you all. We miss the people who never send emails, too. Yeah, Mail. yeah. Especially those guys. Yeah, especially y'all. Mail at ClassicGamingPodcast.com. Send us uh, some awesome... Give us awesome reviews on iTunes. Is that about it? Yeah, I think, I think so. that's enough. My uh, my MacBook still hasn't advanced past the blank screen with the continue button. Yeah, Macs will do that. Uh, I think I'm kind of screwed here. What, I feel like there's one more thing that I usually... Uh, ClassicGamingPodcast.com. Check out our website. That's where it is. And that's it. <laughs> Good night, everybody. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Hope you like the episode. Hashtag Sorry, we suck a little bit. Robert sucks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>